on this episode of the Loud Marlin Fans Podcast. The Miami Marlins are at 500 at 14 games into the season. It is nothing but positivity, or is it? The Marlins have a weekend right now in which they're facing Arizona, and then they're going to welcome in the Giants. Let's talk some Mets. Let's talk some Phillies. Let's talk Make It Miami on this episode of the Loud Marlin Fans Podcast. Welcome, 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 ladies, gentlemen, everyone. You hear the dings of welcomeness here on the LMF podcast. Don't forget right now, before we start listening, to go take out your cell phone, take out your tablet, go on your computer, go to Twitter, and you must add and follow at LMF podcast as well if you're not already following at Loud Marlins fan on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and you can maybe find me on Facebook. With that being said, welcome to this episode of the Loud Marlin Fans Podcast. I am your host, the loudest Marlins fan in the world. You can call me Chase, you can call me LMF, you can hate me, you can love me, but just listen and after this episode, don't forget to give me five stars and leave a good review on your favorite podcasting platform. So the Miami Marlins are 14 games into the season, and it took 14 games to get to 500. As you know, the Marlins have not been at 500 all season long until now. That is impressive. It has been probably the best 14-game start into a season I, I believe they had a stat since like 2005 or 2006. Actually, it may have been 2018. I'm not sure. But one of those three was what I saw. So the Miami Marlins are at 500. And really, there's nothing we can say that can deter me from being a fan right now and hopefully you. Uh, you know, you get all those negative Nancys, uh, negative Kens and Karens on Twitter on social media, and in the Facebook group, Marlins Nation, which you should join that too. But uh, a lot of, some negativity with every loss. We were getting scrutinized. Ah, fire Kim. This team stinks. This team sucks. Uh, The ownership, they don't spend money. They didn't do anything this offseason. All of that is washed away right now because the Miami Marlins are at 500. And it's been the additions that Kim NG has brought in that have made all the difference. And we're not talking just the 2023 free agents or 22-23 free agents that have been brought in. We'll go over that again. And then uh, some of the 2021-22 free agents are actually doing well. We're not talking about, obviously, El Garcia. But we're talking about Jorge Soler. And let's start there. Wow. He has, I believe, uh, three or four home runs already this season. It may actually be four. He hit a game-tying home run in the eighth inning versus the Phillies, which really uh, gave us that series. Uh, Mr. Wednesday, I'm going to call him, because the previous Wednesday, he had two home runs. 
in, in that game. And that is when they brought out the LMF home run chain, which I don't believe we've discussed on a podcast. So maybe we'll discuss that too a little bit here. But um, Jorge Soler has been a, a wonderful part, a wonderful surprise maybe, or a comeback surprise so far this season as he has really uh, shown more more or less the Kansas City uh, Jorge Soler and the uh, Jorge Soler who uh, helped Atlanta win the World Series than the Soler we saw in 2022, which was really uh, underwhelming and uh, detriment to the team last season. But he has really uh, shown that he's going to earn his so far. He's going to earn his 15 million dollars he's getting paid this year of course he'll probably opt in free agency because he's only going to get i think 12 or 13 is is what um he, he's set in stone right now if he opts in um so we'll see what happens but we have a long season left as again we're only 14 games in but we're at 500 so solaire's been a surprise uh jazz has been a little down that's a little surprising uh we expect him fully to pick it up you know jazz it's funny. He, he's going to be playing, I believe, his 200th game um, soon. I believe he's only played like 157, 158 games or 98 games. Um, so he's under 200 games. And when you think about it, uh, he, he has put this team on his back for the most part. And fans want him to be a superstar. But the dude hasn't even sniffed his prime. He, he's going to get better. And it's just going to be magnificent to watch. So, so Jazz, you know, he, he's had an underwhelming start. But he's also hit a couple home runs. Uh, he's going to be fine. He's going to be the Jazz Chisholm we know and we love. And I'm not worried uh, at all about him. Uh, Cooper has been the uh, coop that he was or had shown he was the all-star coop uh, that he he was at the beginning of 2022. He's back. It looks like he learned how to hit somehow. Uh, he made some adjustments, and he's back to being the all-star-like 2022 coop in 2023 now. Um, uh, other guys, of course, in that lineup are stepping up. Uh, DLC started off slow, but over this last week, he has also hit a couple home runs. He's got a couple clutch base hits, uh, drives some of those winning runs in, even though uh, some home runs happen after, so you forget about it. But DLC has helped win some games here as well. Um, he's getting more playing time. And uh, Stallings uh, had a great game yesterday uh, against Arizona. Uh, Stallings is going to be Stallings. He'll get some hits, but he's really here to help the pitchers and, and grow there on defense. He actually had his first pass ball in like four seasons. So that's sad that streak ended, but uh, Stallings will be Stallings. Uh, John Birdie is getting the bulk of the playing time at shortstop because Joey Wendell, who we're not going to speak about, he, he started off. He still hasn't had a hit this season. He's been injured, uh, but he did start off the first few games without a hit. Uh, um, but John Birdie even uh, shown some power in, in Philadelphia, uh, and and yesterday in Miami, uh, John John Birdie, you know he uh, he's a big part of this team, and when he's on base, he's I think he stole three three or four bases after not uh, trying to steal a base for like the first seven games of the season. So it's nice to see him getting started. I haven't even discussed Luis Arise. I've saved that for for now. I wanted to go into depth about Luis Arise and what he means to this lineup. You know, all those uh, negative 
that negative people that I spoke about before, uh, you know, trading Pablo was very difficult. And I love Pablo. And it was nice seeing Pablo face the Marlins. And it was the best outcome. He didn't lose to us. Um, he didn't win versus us. Uh, he got the no decision against Miami when he played here last Wednesday. Um, but it was tough to see Pablo go. Pablo was a big part of this, the happiness on this team, the energy, I, I want to say, of this team. Him and Sandy talking things out. They were best friends. So Pablo meant a lot to this organization. Uh, he was a lot. He was a big part of the re, re, rebirth of the, of the organization after the sale. Um, of course, he, he wasn't drafted by the Marlins. He was brought in um, from the Mariners in one of the trades that we did, I believe the, um, uh, just one of the trades that, that, that I think the David Phelps trade, if I'm correct there. Um, but Pablo meant a lot to this organization. He played every game in a Marlins uniform in a professional level, um, in his major league career until this season. And it's nice to see him do well with Minnesota, but on the backside of that, it's, they made a good move, uh, Probably a steal, if you think about it. Uh, it wasn't a one-for-one, one, and some people complained about that because uh, you gave up a, a minor league uh, infielder for him. But at the end of the day, Luis Arise is hitting 500. He, he has a little finger issue right now. He didn't play in yesterday's game versus Arizona. Uh, he's not slated to start in today's game. I'm recording this before the Arizona Diamondbacks game, um, where we're at 500 right now. Um, but Luis Arise is not playing today, getting a little finger contusion, as they'll call it, or a little cut on his finger. He's available if needed, uh, just giving him a couple days to rest. Baseball's so weird with that when you think about it. Uh, I, 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 I look at it and I go, you know, football players, wide receivers, defensive backs, they break their fingers on the field. They pop them back into place. They're all bent weird ways, and they stay in the game. A baseball player gets a little cut on his finger. He can't swing the bat. He can't grip the bat, and he can't play. It's just crazy the difference of the uh, of the type of injuries that keep you out in different sports. But Luis Arise, back to how he's performed this year, I am overjoyed and overwhelmed being a Marlins fan. Uh, I don't think I've seen a hitter like him in a Marlins uniform since another Luis, and that's Luis Castillo, who was great in uh, the late 90s and early 2000s for the Marlins. And it's kind of funny, the connection there, because we traded Luis Castillo to the Twins um, in that fire sale after uh, – well, not a fire sale, but a market correction, as they called it uh, – in 2005 or six. So it's funny, the twins connection, but Luis Arise is, is just great. And he's showing how great he is. He's hitting 500, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls who are listening to this. We're 14 games into the season, and his average is half hits, half not hits. It's, it's just great. And he's on his way to another batting title. Will he keep this up? The law of average says no, but... Without the shift, he, he's really being clutch right now, and that's awesome to see. And he is the first, Luis Arise, is the first Miami Marlin to hit a cycle in 30 years of this franchise. If you're listening, you're not sure what a cycle is. It's in one game, 
where a player gets to bat at least four times, uh, in this case it was five, at least four times, and you, in a single game, you hit a single, a double, a triple, and a home run in any order. And usually the triple's the hardest to get. It really is. And Luis Arise got a triple in the game. And then he got a double in the game. And then he got a home run in the game. So he's going into the eighth or ninth inning. I believe it was the ninth inning. And Luis Arise had already hit a triple, a double, and a home run in that order, which means he only needs the single left. And Luis Arise gets the single in his at-bat. Now, it's happened a bunch of times where the Marlins have come that close to getting the cycle. They usually miss the single, which is the funny part about it, the last couple tries. But Luis Arise is the first Miami Marlin, first player in our franchise to ever hit a cycle. And that in alone makes this trade worth it. Giving up Pablo stunk, but the player that Kim NG brought in in this front office went and got is that type of guy. And he seems so nice and chill about it. It's, it's really awesome. I, I can't explain the feeling of watching that happen, even though it's on TV, not live, but watching it happen live on TV not in person, I still got that feeling of happiness and excitement because it's never happened before. So congratulations, congratulations, Luis Arise, on getting the cycle. It was his first time in his career. He was very thankful on social media to the fans, to the organization, to his family, to God, etc. Um it's it's really nice. He seems so nice. So you, I mean, you give up Pablo, you bring in this guy who's like the the batting version of Pablo, Venezuelan, super friendly, awesome guy, and um, it's just really cool. He's batting 500. He hit a cycle. I I, I think that as the season goes on, he's hitting RBIs. He's uh, scored a lot of our runs when he's on base. Uh, he gets left on base a lot, but um, o- overall. It was a, it's it's been a win win trade for both organizations, and that doesn't always happen. But but I, I could speak about Luis Arise and what he means right now to this organization. Except we won without him. Not saying we want him not to play, but the Marlins did win without him yesterday. Um, yeah. So it's nice to see that other guys can step in and you still win. And it wasn't like a one run win against Arizona. Uh, we had a five run inning. And it wasn't any home runs in that inning. It was small ball hits and doubles and whatnot. So congratulations uh, to, to Luis Arise again. And I look forward to speaking about him a lot on this part, podcast. So you got to give some credit to Luis Arise for this team being at 500. Because he's really been the bat that's been consistent in almost every game. I think in only one of the games he played, he did not get a hit this season. I know that because I have him on my fantasy team. And uh, he's been really great for fantasy baseball too. Um, But regardless, he's been the backbone bat of this team. Um, Him combined with Cooper, uh, the Jazz hits when they're coming, uh, the Solaire bombs when they're happening. Uh, He's been a big part. Uh, the birdie balls, 
etc. The DLC dongs and um, really the stallings when he gets his hits. Um, I haven't mentioned Nick Fortes, Fortes. I don't think he's gotten enough enough uh, tries, I guess. I guess he hasn't had enough at-bats for me really to say good, bad, negative, positive on Nick Fortes. He did have a home run um, and a couple uh, hits uh, during the week, last two weeks. So, I mean, he's doing all right. Uh, it's really – there's only a few bats that are really bringing this team down. Um, and ruining some momentum. One guy I haven't really spoken about this season, and I'm kind of 50-50 on him right now. I'm not positive. I'm not great woohoo for him, but I'm also not going to talk negative about him, and that's Gene Segura. Uh, in the, again, the law of averages say that he will hit between uh, 260 and 280 this season. Uh, right now, he's grounding out a little bit too much. But it's coming through, and he's getting better at third base, so that's a positive. He's only had a few errors um, in the last week or so. Uh, but Gene Segura, I believe, will bounce back throughout the season, so I'm not high or low. I'm kind of neutral on him right now. Um, someone that I'm really low on, still low on. I thought he'd be the one with the bounce-back season, not Solaire. I was really high – not high. I went higher on – um, obviously, El Garcia, because he knew coming into this season, it was a lot of pressure from last year. He, he even uh, spoke, uh, I believe it was to Jeremy Taché, who has amazing interviews um, with the players. And I, I, I recommend you follow Jeremy or listen to Mike Up Miami. Um, that podcast is really great with uh, uh, the Bally Sports podcast uh, with Jeremy Taché. And Jeremy really. Uh, went at the players asking them what, like really uh, this is during the uh, spring training. What have you changed? What, what is your experience in year one? What do you expect in year two? And obviously Yo Garcia said all the right things. You know, I was folding under pressure. I was out of shape. I changed my meal plan. I'm working out differently. I, I've, I'm coming in and I'm going to be better, but in, in realistic uh, outcomes, he has not been better. And that is going to be a problem throughout this season if he's still a Marlin. Um, he, he just uh, – I'm not going to go into averages and whatnot for him, but he's really – he's getting a hit maybe once a week. Yeah, he has one home run, and he did win a one nothing game or help us win when he hit a home run. I think it was like the second inning or third inning. It was early in the game. So he didn't really – yes, at the end of the game, it was the only run that scored in that Sandy complete game. But it was really early, and it wasn't like clutch or anything. It just happened to be a one-run game uh, when uh, the Twins couldn't score. So you give him credit. Yeah, he got the only one in the game. You thought he was going to come out of it, um, this slump that he's been in for over a season. But I, I look today, and he has 84 hits as a Marlin. That's 84 hits in, I want to say, 100-and-something games as a Miami Marlin. Um, I think he played 98 games in 2022, and he's played in like uh, 12, to, 12 out of 14, I believe, this season. Maybe a little, maybe 11. So he's over 100, and let's say 105 games, and he only has 84 hits as a Marlin. Um, he's really striking out too much when he's not striking out. He, and he, and I'm not even gonna say he flies out that often. He's grounding out almost every time he's at bat. So as a fan, you're experiencing that, and it's just how many chances are you going to give this guy? 
On the other hand, I understand the business aspect of it. The guy's making, uh, I believe, $13 million this year. Um, and that's part of his $56 million contract he signed. But he, he uh, is is making like $13.5 million, let's say, this season. I think that's the number without looking. And he's not earning it. So how long are you going to give him the chance to flip it around? And I hope he does. I don't want to speak negatively about players, but I'm going to keep it real with you, my listener, my fan, the LMF podcast fan. I'm not going to water it down for you. This is not spring training. Obviously, Yo Garcia has been garbage this season. He's been crap this season, minus that one game where he got the home run to win it. He hasn't made the difference in any of the games. In fact, he's probably made a negative difference on this team, not bringing in ivory eyes, grounding out into double plays, striking out when they have two outs and bases loaded. This is just things that he was doing last season, and it's carried over. And with all the changes that he talked about making on the uh, uh, Jeremy Taché podcast, Mike Up Miami, Batley Sports, again, recommend you listen to that um, uh, that interview episode uh, with Avisayo Garcia. He made it seem like he's making all these changes, and you're not seeing any of them come through fruition to make him a better bat batter than he was last year he's made a couple good plays in the outfield um but really just routine plays in the outfield no no game changers here so um i hope he turns it around he's been a really negative part of this team and at the same time the same token i'm gonna have to say jesus sanchez has also being been a negative on this team from a business side of things for sanchez it's the opposite of Avisayo Garcia, you're not paying uh, Sanchez anything over the minimum this year to play. And I think that's either 720 or 750 minimum he's making this season. The problem is he has no minor league options. And without those minor league options, he has to be on the major league team. Unfortunately, he has not played well enough to make a difference on the major league team. And there's guys in the AAA that are heating up. I talked about Peyton Burdick before this season during the uh, during the spring. And when he started off before a minor injury, he played great in the spring. So you have him coming out of spring. Well, he's so hot right now in the minors that you want him to be your fourth outfielder coming up and having a, a, a power. He, he, he's so big. Like, he, he's built. He's jacked. He's the guy that could come in and hit home runs once every couple games, make a difference, where uh, Jesus Sanchez is always swinging for the fences at all his at-bats. He swings at everything, and it's like the same swing every time. It's not, it's not uh, situational hitting. It's not situational swinging. He has the same swing and goes after the same high fastballs or out out of the strike zone or uh, fastballs every time. And the pitchers know this, so they keep throwing it, and he swings at everything. And every time he's looking, and he strikes out a lot, and every time he's looking to get a home run instead of the pop-up when a guy's on third with one out um, and whatnot. It's, it's just not good situational hitting. I hope he turns it around. And again, I don't have to talk negative about them. I, I want them to be better. But if you're going to come with the positives, which I started off the first uh, 20 minutes of this episode speaking about all the positives, there are some negatives. And 
Um, I'm talking about only batting right now, negatives. So you have uh, you have to see how these guys perform because they're two of your four outfielders that need playing time. And you got you could put Jazz in center, you could put DLC in left, but you have to have someone in right. And if it's not Solaire in right, because Solaire should be DHing more or less of the time, you've got to put Garcia. It's really two out of five outfielders. You've got to put Garcia in because he makes so much money. And then when he wants a day off, you've got to put Sanchi in to get some time. Like in today's game, um, I think right now as of this episode, as I'm recording, you have them going behind each other, batting behind each other in today's game at six and seven in today's lineup. And I believe they're both in the 100s right now. Um, I believe, obvious. I didn't want to talk averages, but obviously, Yo Garcia, I believe, was at 111 uh, when I checked. Let me uh, double check as we're talking here, as I'm recording. I have the lineup pulled up for today's preview. And as I said, um, obviously, Yo Garcia is actually at 121 right now, and it's Sanchez that's at 111. So you have these guys, it's actually the five and six hole uh, today. So, I mean, you hope that uh, Birdie and Chisholm and Cooper DLC is on base for them, but you have them batting in the five and six hole today, both under 130 even. Um, and then you have Gene Segura, who I've mentioned I'm neutral on right now. He's at 167. Uh, Fortes, or Fortes, as I said, is not getting too much playing time. You have him batting now 160 in the eighth spot. And Garrett Hampson, who I haven't spoken about, is batting tonight in the ninth spot. He had a clutch at bat last night um, to help us uh, secure some additional runs. Um, but he's at batting 100. So uh, you, you, you got four, you, your bottom half of this lineup after the fourth spot are all batting under 200, um, really all batting under 170. That's not a, a uh, ingredient to winning. You've got to get these guys hot because half your team, that's, that's more than half your, half your team um, that's under 200. So hopefully they can pick it up. It's still early. You're at 500. Be excited about that. But let's now talk about pitching. Coming into this season, the pitching staff was probably the strength or said to be the strength of this team. Sandy, Jesus, Lazardo, Sandy Alcantara, Jesus, Lazardo, Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, and Johnny Cueto was your starting five coming into the season. Right off the bat, Game one, Sandy was a little off, only went, I think, five and two-thirds inning at that. Came out of the game losing to the Mets. He takes the L in opening day. Uh, Jesus Lizardo got the first flashback Friday with the win. Edward Cabrera, Trevor Rogers, and then Johnny Cueto, in that order, did not get out of the third or fourth innings when they pitched their first time around. Johnny Cueto still hasn't pitched since the first inning of that uh, Marlins 
series versus the Mets, the first one, he's injured. We don't know when he's returning. Uh, insert Braxton Garrett, who's made one start versus the Mets, and it was a it was a decent start. He went 85 pitches, didn't get the win, didn't get out of the fifth, but he definitely set the mark. He he could have got the win if he got out of the fifth. They ended up winning that game handsomely. So he doesn't get the score credit for the win, but he really pitched well enough to get the win. As far as Edward Cabrera was concerned in his first two starts, uh, both versus the Mets, he walked too many batters each time. Um, I think in the second game versus the Mets, he walked six batters. Uh, he couldn't. He, he had a no-hitter when he left the game, but he had walked so much and given up. I think he left with like three runs given up or something to that effect. He got. He had to come out of the game because he was already at 80-something pitches. Um, Trevor Rogers, his first two starts, he couldn't get out of the first innings. He did, and he, and he settled down. But in the first game, I think he pitched like 37 pitches or something like that, 39 pitches in his first game, and then – 28-29 in the second game, uh, he had to come out in the fourth or fifth inning. Point being, your starters aren't going long enough in these games to set themselves up for success, and they were walking too many. Trevor Rogers in both games gave up too many runs at, at that point uh, to, to for the team to win. They were all against the Mets, so the Marlins finished – there, I want to call it a seven-game series versus the Mets because you play them 13 times, and in the first week we played them seven, four in Miami, three in New York. You finished with uh, two wins against the Mets. You finished at two and five in that series. Um, big reason why in this early season was the pitching staff. Then you go to Philadelphia. I thought Philadelphia, we, and, I, and I ha I'm on record for saying this, in one of my videos prior to going to Philadelphia after losing to the Mets two of three, I actually said before the Mets series, I believe we're going to win one game in New York and then we're going to go to Philly and win two of three, come back at 500 or a 500 road trip, which is big this early in the season versus uh, expensive payroll division rivals. And we did just that. So we had a 500 road trip coming out of Miami for your first homestand. Now back to Miami in your second homestand. But you had a 500 road trip. Trevor Rogers, Edward Cabrera, Sandy all took losses on that trip. Braxton Garrett, un no decision. The, the bright spot of this staff this season is Jesus Lazardo. Uh, Sandy and his loss, it was a pretty bad loss. So I don't want to discuss it. Sandy got his butt blown out by uh, uh, Philadelphia. It happens. Um, Sandy gives up one or two of those games a season. He's going to be just fine. Uh, but the, the bright spot, the only bright spot really in this pitching staff, we'll see how Brax does tonight. But right now the only bright spot in this pitching staff is Jesus Lazardo. The dude's on fire. He didn't get the victory versus the Minnesota, but the Marlins won the game. He only gave up one run that game. That was the Solaire Wednesday game with like 10 fans in, in the stadium, which is really sad to see for a Pablo versus Lazardo day. But at the end of it, uh, Jesus Lazardo has been on fire. He's had some trouble in the third time through the lineup around the sixth or seventh inning when he starts to 
like I don't, I don't see his velocity goes down. It's just uh, that third time around, he has to start making some changes. Uh, but he's got into the seventh inning, I believe, of two or three starts, um, if not all three. And we've won all three. So Jesus Lizardo, I mean, he, he's pretty good. And he's showing he's pretty good. And this is the guy they traded Starlin Marte for, who really turned our franchise on its back looking for an outfielder with that trade. But you bring in this guy, uh, Jesus Lizardo, when he came in from Oakland, uh, he was giving up a lot of runs. He didn't have the best second half of this season, uh, but he wasn't with Mel Stoudemire yet uh, for the whole, for really any time. You give, you, you come out last year, Jesus Lizardo, the hometown kid, showed glimmers and glances of his power that he's showing now and how good of a pitcher he can be. Uh, but another year, he was injured for, I believe, six to eight weeks last season. This year he comes in, maybe even longer. This year he comes in. He's three and zero in in this. Well, not three and zero. He's two and zero. With won all three games so far this season. His ERA is really low. He's been really the the positive of this pitching staff. Sandy will get back up. We're not worried about him. But after that one-two punch, you've got to have these other guys step up. Uh, Braxton Garrett. He's not the overpowering type pitcher. He's the type of pitcher that can go long in a game. Uh, if he keeps, if he gets the first strike, he's a much better pitcher than giving up a ball, because then he has to climb back into it, and that's when he gets in trouble. Um, but you got to keep the the walks lower for Edward Cabrera. He he walked too many players in that second game in Philadelphia. He looked like the Eddie Cabrera that we believe we have. Uh, he had a much better game in the last game of Philadelphia in which we won. He uh, really calmed down and, and showed value there. That's the guy we think he could be. He needs to be that on a consistent level. And last night, um, it was a, as we would call it, like today, a weak lineup for the Marlins without Luis Arise and Jazz in the lineup last night. Solaire's out today. Solaire was in last night. But you have um, these guys – uh, Trevor Rogers, you have Trevor Rogers. Uh, you thought that last night, if you're going to lose any of the three games this series, because you have a Sandy versus Gallon matchup tomorrow, which is going to be crazy. You have to have a full strength lineup to, to beat Zach Gallon. But you have Sandy on the mound tomorrow, Sunday. Tonight you have Brax. You would have thought yesterday, Trevor, if he did not pitch perfect, the Marlins would have lost. Marlins ended up winning 5-1. Trevor was fire. Trevor was the Trevor of old. I think he got to like seven innings yesterday. He was the Trevor of 2021, that all-star Trev, who we know he can be. And again, he's shown a little bit of that in the second and third into the fourth innings. He couldn't get out of the first inning unscathed. He did last night. He really kept the pitch count low. This is the left-handed stud Trevor Rogers, who we think he can be, or we know he was. He has to get back into that. And last night made jumpstart his his, his approach, a jumpstart his confidence, and hopefully the next game, which will be another home game versus the San Francisco Giants later in this week, it'll conclude our homestand. Trevor Rogers gets a second time on the mound. He has one win finally yesterday. Maybe it'll move forward against the Giants. So your pitching staff, your starting pitching staff, which was the strength of your franchise, has been a little weak. There's no way ifs, ands, or ors about it with Johnny Cueto going down. He was the guy, older guy. He was the veteran that was supposed to solidify this rotation when you lost Pablo to pick up a rise. And again, that was a great trade for both teams. 
but it leaves you shorthanded as far as MLB talented pitching, starting pitching. You have all these young guys who are on their way up. But as far as MLB ready, starting pitching, you're not as strong without Johnny Cueto in your rotation. Because now Brax, if Brax or one of these other four guys goes down, who's going to step up? We don't know. We don't know if we even have that guy in 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 the rotations in our minor leagues. Because some of the guys they brought up who had been that in the past, the Daniel Castanos, the, uh, the, the Smelters, the Devin Smelters, they are, they have shown that maybe they can't be the starter. They've come out of the bullpen, uh, went right back down to Castano and uh, Smeltzer still with the organization. They're going to give him another shot. He came in in that Sandy game where we were already getting blown out four to nothing. Quickly, we were eight to nothing, and uh, you, you just got to see better from our pitchers that come up to help this team. As far as the bullpen, minus that game, the bullpen's been pretty good. Uh, JT Chagua is injured right now. So, I mean, he was he he was a big part of this bullpen at the start of the season. He was really good. Uh, but Bra- Bra- Huskar Brazabon has been really good. Uh, Matt Barnes has been good. Uh, Dylan Floro looks like the stud. He, he, he could have been a closer last year. He's He's back to the form that they thought he would be. Tanner Scott's iffy. I don't trust Tanner Scott at all. When he comes in the game, I, I cringe. Um, but he did get out of a, a messy inning uh, the other day unscathed. But again, I, I use him as a last resort um, for this bullpen. But the other guys are stepping up, and now you have a closer. A.J. Puck, oh, woo, his, his fast Ball is insane, and his slider is insane. This guy fools me watching him pitch, and he make he's making the hitters that he faces go crazy. He's given up in a couple a couple runs, a couple home runs, but he's got two two saves, two holds. Uh, AJ Puck is the real deal, and it's nice to have that at the end of your bullpen. So the bullpen's been a surprise. They, they made some changes to make bring in players. They know that was a weakness in 22. And the bullpen, they traded uh, a J.J. Blade for A.J. Puck. And that's another trade that has, has looked all positive so far for the Marlins. Hopefully that continues. So I've talked about the home run chain on Locked on Marlins podcast. And, of course, I've spoken about it on social media. Did want to give you a little story about how the Miami Marlins home run chain became a thing. For those who don't know that are just hearing this, that is my my chain, my chain I paid for. Uh, I wore it all last season. I traveled with it to Chicago. You saw it on me at the games. You saw it on me on Bally Sports, FS1, ESPN. I uh, I wore that chain all around. It's made by uh, Christian Customs. Um, on on Instagram, uh, I got it made last year. It's an expensive chain. Um, one of the players during the off season asked me if they could have it. I worked it out with uh, Christian that I'll give it up to them and not have one for a little bit of time. Um, they are using my chain as their home run chain, and I find that awesome. Apparently, the story behind it, um, besides me giving it to them, hoping they use it for a home run chain. And I even asked the player who I gave it to if they would use it. He said he couldn't 
uh, say yes or no at the time. And if you watch the first couple games this season in that homestand, when they would hit a home run, there was nothing to celebrate with. There was no home run chain at the time. Apparently, the story is they noticed that they didn't have anything to celebrate with. Last year, they had a helmet uh, that was given by Miguel Rojas. This a football helmet, which was weird, not baseball, weird, different. This year they had nothing. So they decided that they actually had my chain in their clubhouse just sitting there. No one was using it. It was just there. They they said, hey, I think it was Eddie Cabrera is what I heard. Eddie Cabrera said, hey, we have that chain. That's a pretty cool chain. Let's use that. Another player said, hey, let's throw sunglasses with it. And that could be our thing this year. So you saw Jorge Soler bust out. Uh, a couple Wednesdays ago with the home run chain. That is my chain, my vibes, my passion. I hope my energy flows through that chain and into the players. I, I all believe it is. Um, this team's been clutched with home runs this season. Uh, over 75% of our runs have come from the home run, and that's all vibing from the LMF Marlins home run chain. And I think it's so cool that they have it. If you want to hear the full story, uh, I'm not going to go into it on here for 20 minutes. There is a video I've posted on social media. Go to at Loud Marlins Fan on Twitter, and you will be able to find that video in my feed if you put uh, LMF chain. So thank you for listening to this episode of the Loud Marlins Fan, Loud Marlins Fans Podcast. Can't even say that 10 times straight. I'm, I'm just overjoyed, overwhelmed with excitement. The Marlins are playing just like we thought they were. They are going to be around a 500 team. You hope over, but uh, based on going from 67 and then the 69 wins, it's very rare that you get 90 wins. So you hope that this team fluctuates and they can get 13 more wins than last season to be over 500. Is it possible? Yes, but those bats under, um, like today's lineup, the bats after the fifth or sixth spots have to light up. They have to start heating up, and they have to help your team. Last night, those bats did. It was your back end of the of the uh, team that helped out. Uh, Hampson, as I said earlier, got a good RBI, helped you win. And the starting pitching has to turn it around. You have Braxton Garrett tonight. Looking forward to seeing my man Brax. Tomorrow, you have Sandy Alcantara in a, in a 2022 Cy Young battle as uh, Zach Allen got some Cy Young votes last season. Uh, he's going against Sandy Alcantara, and Jazz Chisholm tomorrow will face Zach Allen. That's a big thing from the trade in uh, 20, I think it was 2019, a trade happened. So let's hope the Marlins could win this series, maybe go out, uh, out against Arizona in a, a sweep maybe. We'll see what happens, but let's win the series two of three at least. It was a big um series last year where uh, that's where things started to turn into the negative last year in May when the Marlins lost three against Arizona here then it was a home for home so when we went there the next week they they beat us two out of three times in their home we ended up leaving after like an 11 run two innings with a win but the Marlins lost five of six last year to Arizona Arizona came into Miami first in the West. They are a good team, a good young scrappy team. They have good pitching. Uh, we'll see it tomorrow with Zach Gallen, Marlins on Friday, this the 14th, uh, 2023. One day after I'm recording this episode, they, they beat uh, Madison Bumgarner. 
big game, big win. The Marlins were not that good against Bumgarner in the past. So Marlins are 1-0 in the series of three. Again, game starts in about an hour and a half. I'm excited to watch on TV. I'm going to Iceland, actually. Um, depending on when you're listening to this, I may have already went. But if you're listening to this after I record it, I'm going to Iceland for a week. So I'm not going to be able to watch Marlins baseball as it's going to be four or five hours behind me. And I'll be pretty busy out there enjoying a vacation. But don't worry, you'll see some LMF pictures with my hat. Uh, thank you again. Take the opportunity, please. Do a couple things. One, go to social media, add Loud Marlins fan on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. And then go to at LMF podcast. That is the official Twitter of this podcast, LMF podcast. And then what you can do, go to intheclutch.com. Intheclutch.com is the only apparel that, that has LMF apparel. So the only website that has LMF apparel, I should say. This is not an ad, so I can't re-record that. Go to intheclutch.com slash LMF or intheclutch.com and then at checkout, use code LMF for 10% discount off your entire purchase. That's big, 10% from me to you. And they have some pretty cool Jazz Chisholm shirts. They have some pretty cool Sandy shirts this year. And I'm trying to convince them to make an Arise robot shirt because he is a hit machine. Let's see if they do that for me. So in the clutch.com, go check that out. Go to get some LMF apparel and use code LMF at checkout for 10% discount. Thank you, guys. Then lastly, if you're loving this podcast, please give me a five-star rating. Please follow this podcast, subscribe, and of course, uh, leave some feedback. Love to hear it. Appreciate you. Let's get louder. Let's go, Marlins. Let's freaking go. Thank you for listening.